All right. Sounds dangerous, doesn't it? Good to see you, everybody. So glad that you're here. Uh, some of you are here in our room on Friday night. And there's something special about Friday night. One, that's when we tape our online service. And uh, so those of you who are online, welcome to you as well. And, and on Friday night, I have to say, some of my favorite people, I know I'm not supposed to play favorites as a pastor, but some of my favorite people are on Friday night, including my wife, Christy, is a Friday nighter. So, um, so anyway, thanks for being part of Friday night and helping create the experience, not only for us, but for everybody online out there. And, uh, and again, for those of you online, wherever you're at, we're really glad that you're here. And whether you realize it or not, you, you came here tonight or today, uh, whenever you're watching this, you're, you came pre-prayed for and pre-loved. Seriously. And so I'm so glad you're here. And I think God has something for all of us. So today, we're continuing this series called Dangerous Prayers. Where we're looking at some big prayers that people prayed. Some iconic prayers in the Bible that God answered. I believe God will answer for us too. But because God will answer these kind of prayers, they are dangerous to the status quo of our lives. They're, they're dangerous. If you want your life just to be the way it is, then don't pray these prayers. But if you're open to more of what God wants to do through you, then these are pretty incredible prayers to pray, especially of all of them. I think the one today is, is certainly a dangerous prayer to the status quo of our life. Because that, the prayer today is, here am I, send me. Which is a prayer of availability. It's opening our life to God. Saying, God, whatever you want to do in and through my life, I'm in. Here am I, send me. And because that's such a massive prayer to either pray the first time or in a new way, it has the potential today, actually has the potential to be one of those days you remember for the rest of your life. For the rest of eternity. Now, we all have days that we remember. Right. You probably in dates we remember you probably remember your birthday. You don't remember when you were born, but you know your birthday. Right. Uh, you probably remember, let's say, when you got your if you're old enough, when you got your driver's license. Remember that you maybe remember if you're married. Hopefully you remember that day. Um, and and no, in fact, if you're married, turn to each other and just real quick, say your anniversary. No, don't do that. I don't want divorce dates. Um, you know, and here's some days, some years that I remember some dates. Uh, 1973, 78, 79, 19, you know what those are? Alabama National Championships in my lifetime. And so, and, and it's such a bummer now to be just so far out of it and irrelevant, um, but that's okay. But today, I'm really, I, I really do. I, I, it's not, pastors are known to exaggerate. In fact, pastors are by far the biggest exaggerators in the world. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, it's a, you know, we can do that. But I, I, I'm not exaggerating. Here, I, when I say that I really do believe today has the potential to be one of those days we always remember. With a kind of prayer like this. A prayer, here am I, send me. A prayer of availability. Because here's the thing. I think all of us really do want our lives to matter. We want our lives to count. We want to make a difference in this world. And when you think about the fact that God wants to, you know, choose, use people to do that, we can naturally think that God chooses like we do. Like if we're hiring somebody, then we choose for ability, experience, competency, that kind of thing. And God does, you know, use the abilities. He's given us our ability, so he'll use that. But God doesn't primarily look for ability when he chooses whom to use in a big way. 
What he uses, what he looks for way more than ability is availability. In fact, availability is our most significant ability. And the good news about it is you and I are in complete control of our availability. We, we're not in control of how much ability or experience I think. We, I, I mean, all of us can probably think of people. I know all of us can think of people who are smarter than we are, who are more capable than we are, who have a better uh, understanding of the Bible than we do, who are more godly or whatever, whose life seems more together than we do. Whatever. We can all probably think of people who are more. But that really doesn't matter. Because what God looks for is availability. And you and I are in complete control of how available we are to him. And today, my hope is that every one of us will open up our lives to a whole new kind of availability than we are right now. And if we do, we won't regret it. But there's some things that we have to push through to get there. There's some if we want to break through, there's some things we have to push through. And so in the story today of when this prayer was prayed in the Old Testament, here am I, send me. It's, I love the story for a lot of reasons, but, it all, but one of the reasons I love it is because it illustrates some of the, the things we have to push through in order to have an availability breakthrough. And we're going to see that in the story. And then as we talk about that, we'll also talk about, well, what does it mean to live as a sent person, not just a normal person? Because it's very different. So today we're going to be in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. And that's who prayed this dangerous prayer. Isaiah, who was a prophet for God's people in the Old Testament era. And this story happens for him in a very memorable year, as we see. Um, and it becomes the most, and it happens on the most memorable day of his life, for sure. And it quickly, as we get into the story, illustrates the first kind of breakthrough is he has this experience of God's presence that changes him forever. And here it is in Isaiah 6, 1. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Now that was a memorable year, 740 BC, because King Uzziah had been king for all of his lifetime, 52 years. He had been king. He was king. And he was a really overall good king. And the nation was prosperous and it was peaceful and everything was cool. Everything was good. It's just one of those happy times for 52 years, pretty much. And so people were shaken a little bit when he died. But way more than that, why he remembered this particular year, this particular day is this vision he has and this encounter with God's presence. When he says on, that I saw the Lord, he was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he goes on to talk about this scene of seeing God on the throne with angels all around worshiping and God in all his power and all his glory. And it just does him in as he sees God fully for who he is. And I wonder how many of us have encountered God's presence in a way that just makes us fall to our knees. Because when that happens and we begin to understand that life is so much more than just about us, that life has the full opportunity to be about something way bigger than us, and that is God and his glory and his power and his presence and his work in this world, that changes everything. I know for me, I was 12, 13 years old when I first got a glimpse of this reality that God is, is, is not only all powerful and all that, but God is also loving. He wants to know you. He wants to change you. 
He wants to use you to change this world. And he's ready to go. And I was 12, 13, and a college student, a guy named Todd, was volunteering in student ministry. And for whatever reason, he took an interest in my life. And I remember in that case, it was from the book of Jeremiah, another prophet, where God calls Jeremiah to his calling to be used by God to make a difference in this world. Jeremiah was probably 13, 14 years old when that happened. And I remember Todd looking at me and saying, hey, look, don't wait until you're older. God doesn't want you to wait until you're old. You're okay. So what? You're 12 years old. Go for it. God wants to use you. And that was the first time in my life I said, here am I, Lord, send me. Use me however you want. And from that point on, the only thing that really made sense to me was arranging my life around God's purposes and what he wanted me to do in this world. And there's something very powerful when we begin to understand that. And and for some of you, today might be your day where you begin to think about that. I think it's also one of the reasons, just to keep, keep up with that, that this discipline of corporate worship where we gather and we worship God and we hear from him is a, is a weekly reminder that, oh yeah, that's what life's about. Because otherwise, if we don't have some kind of transcendent experience with God and in regular worship of him, reminder of him, we will tend to live for stupid stuff and just live really small lives. And and there's only so many things you can live for other than God. As human beings, you can live for status. You can live for possessions and wealth. You can live for pleasure. And in the end, I mean, I think we all know when you hear that, well, it's not going to build a great life. It'll give you a little dopamine hit here and there. It'll be kind of exciting every now and then. But in the end, you'll look back and think, oh, man, I don't really have anything to really show for my life. Like I've seen as a pastor various people at the end of their life. And I have yet to have one person say, hey, will you just repeat over and over again my job title? <laughs> Remember, it has chief in it. Make, make, say that really loud. Never. I've never had anybody say, hey, will you just take a picture of all my stuff? I just want to see it one more time. <laughs> but what people relate to, what they, what's important then is relationships and impact. And what God offers is both. Relationship with him that lasts forever with each other as we follow Jesus together. And a life of impact if we open up our life to him. Well, that was obviously a breakthrough for him. But when you see God in all of his glory like he did, what comes next is predictable. Isaiah 6, 5. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. What he's saying is I've seen God in all his glory and I know what I deserve because I'm not glorious. I'm sinful. I'm messed up. He sees God in all of his perfectness, his holiness, and realizes his imperfection and his sin. And he's like, I'm a goner. This is not going to last very long. I'm going to get struck with lightning any moment because I'm in the presence of God as an unholy person. And he's feeling his unworthiness. It's actually one of the things we have to push through in order to have an availability breakthrough. And that is our own unworthiness. And some of you feel that. If, if you feel unworthy, if you feel your imperfection and how, man, I'm so messed up and I know what I do. And it's just, I mean, other people seem like they have their life together. I don't think I do. And it does. And the truth is we're all in the same boat. He's not comparing himself to other people. Isaiah was a really good guy. He would actually come out of the comparison game doing pretty well. But it's irrelevant. 
Because he's seeing God in all of his glory and his perfection. And so if you feel unworthy to be used by God in a significant way, you know why you do? Because you are unworthy. And so am I. None of us deserve anything from God, right? In our sin. But catch what God does next. It's so cool. It's a picture of what Jesus will come and do. Isaiah 6, 6. Then one of the seraphim, which is one of these angels, flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. He was made clean, forgiven. Now it's symbolic, right? He takes a coal from the altar of sacrifice. Jesus ultimately is the ultimate sacrifice, but he takes a coal from the altar of sacrifice that covers sin, that makes it possible for sins to be forgiven. And with the goodness of God, he touches him and he's forgiven, which prefigures what Jesus will come and do as the ultimate sacrifice when he gave his life on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. So that we could be forgiven fully and freely and made worthy, not because of our righteousness, but because of Jesus's righteousness. Here's what uh, John says in first John one nine. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know, that word all, you know, the original language of the New Testament is Greek. You know what that word all means in the Greek? All. All, every one of them. I mean, imagine that for a minute. It means that all, all of your, you know, for you and me, all your pride, forgiven. Your sexual sin, forgiven. How you've hurt people when angry, forgiven. Every, angle, every evil thought, forgiven. Your self-centeredness, forgiven. Every lie, forgiven. Every unkind word, forgiven. That sin you've never told anyone about before, that God knows and you know, Forgiven. Even sin that you don't realize is there, but God does, forgiven. Not even sins in the past and present, but in Jesus, even in the future, sins you haven't even committed yet, forgiven fully and freely. And that you and I are made worthy, not only forgiven, but our, the righteousness of Jesus is put into our account. So that when God sees you, he doesn't see you as sinful and unworthy. He sees you as just as righteous as Jesus is. As the Bible says, we are covered, we are hidden with God in Christ, which means God sees you as not unworthy, but worthy because of the work of Jesus on your behalf. And if you're waiting to be worthy, you don't have to wait, but get a relationship with Jesus. And it happens like that. And a big part of breakthrough that has to happen is just getting, getting over ourselves. If you feel like you're unworthy and I, yeah, of course you are, but Jesus wants to make you worthy and he wants to forgive you fully and freely. And Isaiah experiences that. You can experience that too by beginning a relationship with God. Or even if you have it, you may be weighed down with shame and guilt and you don't have to be because he removes it. Well, by then it's just really waiting for his assignment, which gets us to the next thing we need to push through for a breakthrough and availability. It's just, okay, God, I don't know. What is it? I'm waiting. And Isaiah doesn't have to wait long at all. Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people, to his people? Who will go for us? Now, this is a rhetorical question. Isaiah is the only one there. So it's not like the bachelor, you know, where there's like 10 people and one rose. 
And he's like, I don't know, maybe Isaiah. I'm going to go with Isaiah. That's not the point. What he's saying, I mean, Isaiah is there. So just saying, are you going to go or not? Are you, are you up for this or not? In Isaiah 6, 8, Isaiah prays our dangerous prayer. Here am I. Send me. Now, note a few things here. He has no idea what he's saying yes to. All he said is, will you go and who will go? And, will you? and he says, here am I, send me. He has no details at all. I mean, think about what he doesn't ask first. He doesn't ask, so wait a minute. So if I say yes to this, what's the salary range? How about the benefits? Have dental? Because, you know, that's good. You know, 401k matching or none of that. He doesn't say, is it easy? Is this going to be easy or hard? Are we going to have to travel a lot or do we get to stay around? Am I going to be able to have a family or not? Or He doesn't say any of that. He just says, I'm in. And actually, God then tells him his assignment and he tells him his assignment is not easy. Some, of, some people have an easy assignment. Some people have a difficult assignment. Most of us somewhere in between. But his would be a difficult one. God tells him that. He says, you're going to be my spokesman, but nobody's going to listen to you. It's like you're going to be a pastor and nobody's going to show up. You're going to have zero people at your church. But you're going to be faithful. And I'm going to use you. Just not the way you think. And some of you have a hard calling. Some of you are in a, a situation right now. Maybe in chemotherapy labs. And waiting rooms and all that. That's a hard assignment. Some of you are in a, a tough assignment. Where God has placed you. In the work environment. Or your family. Or school. Or whatever. And God knows that and he will reward us i mean he tells us this jesus tells us this he will reward us for every time it's hard we'll be rewarded for all eternity but whether it's easy or hard we're, you know if you're waiting for the assignment here's what i want us to understand you don't have to wait either because god has already sent you that's what jesus said he said in John 20, 21, as the father has sent me, meaning God sent Jesus into this world with the mission, the redemptive mission. So send I you. The nanosecond you and I begin to follow Jesus. And I know not all of you have decided to follow Jesus or not. Right. I get that. But the minute you do, you're not just saying yes to a life where God makes your life eat better or changes you. That's true. But. You're really saying yes to a life of mission, a life of joining Jesus and what he's doing. What he's saying is when the second you decide, we decide to follow Jesus, then you, you and I become sent people. Not normal people anymore, but sent people. And that is a very different way to live. Normal people just do their thing. But sent people are living for something else. And it changes everything. And I want us to play around with that a little bit. We're going to talk about our placement. We'll talk about priorities. Uh, well, I mean, placement. We'll talk about um, our possessions. Um, and so let's just think through that a little bit. Also, our platform. So first, let's think about platform. Um, a lot of people just think, I, I'm the one with the platform, right? Because I'm on a platform. But we all have a platform, right? We all have influence. In your relational circle, you have influence. In your school, in your work environment, whatever position you have. All of us have influence. And as a sent person, a sent person says, okay, God, you've given me influence. You've given me a voice. You give me a platform. So, God, how do you want me to use that for you? 
for me, I've been wrestling with that a little bit. Because um, as, a, as a pastor of this church, you know, God's given me a platform, not just here, but to other leaders and, and stuff too, outside of our church. And for, it's about 20 years ago. Um, well, let me just tell you. So last week I was gone. Uh, Greg Holmes spoke. I was supposed to speak originally. Of course, he did an awesome job, better than I would have done anyway. So I know you had a good experience. But I asked him to do that because I am finishing a book that I have to turn in by Christmas so that it could be published on time. And uh, so that's what I was doing. So thanks for giving me that opportunity to do that. But I'm kind of doing it a little bit kicking and screaming. So when I was like 20 something years ago, I wrote a book about leadership development in the church. It was something, I had something unique to say and said it and did this little speaking tour and did all this stuff. And it was very demanding in addition to my normal job of just being here. And, and when I, and it was a season and I tried to be faithful in that season. I hope it was helpful. But when I got, I was like, God, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't, I, if there's other people, if I don't have something unique to say, I'm not going to try to say it. I'm not going to, I'm going to let other people say it, and, and I'm, not going to, I'm just not going to write again. I'm not going to do that anymore unless you give me something you need to say, and you shove me and say, yep, it's, you got to do it. I'm not doing it. And for 20 years, I haven't done it, and I've been happy. <laughs> but a couple of years ago, and I, I've been a little late because I resisted, a couple of years ago, felt like God saying, you've got something unique to say that needs to be said, and I've given you a platform. And it's yours. I, I want you to do this. And, and the book is about rebranding Christianity in our culture in America where our brand, Jesus gave us. This is how people know you're my disciples. Love one another the way I've loved you. The first thing people should think of when they think of Christian is, wow, do they love people? They're a little weird, but wow, do they love people? But that's not how we're known. Nobody outside of Christianity would say that. As our culture is rushing away from Christianity, especially emerging generations. So we've got a major branding problem. Not just perception problem, but reality problem too. That we need to come back to it. There's a, and so, and, and so there's, there's, there's a hard message in there. And it's going to be a little controversial. Now for Chase Oakers, we've talked about enough. I don't, I don't really see it as controversial. But, but outside of our church, there, it's going to. Because it's, there's so much mission drift, mission drift in evangelicalism that I think we've got to restore the, you know, what Jesus wants for us. This is going to be a little controversial and there's going to be some drama and I don't like drama. I really don't. I don't want it. In fact, I, last week as I was writing, I said, this is going to create some drama. God, why don't just let me write a book about puppies? You know, like picture book of puppies of Christian leaders. Wouldn't that be kind of cool. You get to see whatever your favorite Christian leader, you can see little puppies and think, oh, oh yeah, Jeff, Joe, that's a puppy guy. He's so I like that guy. That would be great. But Here's the deal. When I was 12 years old, I said to God, here am I, send me. And from then on, my life, I mean, I've blown it and I've, you know, I've gotten mission drift myself and all that. But from then on, I've tried to say, okay, God, if you're nudging me to do something, I'm in. And so please pray about all that and, and pray about what God will do. And, and, and it involves our whole church. We'll talk about that later. But, um, but how about you? What is God nudging you to do? Whether it's comfortable or not, what is God nudging you to do? In addition to platform, think about possessions. And this gets a little 
tense for some people. It's like, wait a minute. Here's the pastor talking about money. I know it. He's one, that's all he wants, my money. And, uh, and, and sent people think differently. When a sent person hears, hey, there's this need or there's a thing, just saying, whether you give or not, it's just saying, okay, God, what I have is yours. So what do you want me to do? It could be nothing. It could be a lot. What do you want me to do? I'm in. Because it's not my money. It's God's money. And we'll be open to that. And, and I always love talking about it at Chase Oaks because you're so generous. I mean, I'm always amazed. Like every time I think, oh man, Chase Oaks is so generous. It can be like this. And it's like, ah, it's like, wow. Like next week is, uh, is going to be the time where, uh, kid, or maybe it's this weekend, where at Local Good, where Christmas gifts for kids that you've given and all that will happen. And, and adults, uh, parents will be able to buy for pennies on the dollar um, from the store at Local Good that you've provided all these toys and, and all this other stuff and coats and stuff that they'll get for free too. And there's about 500 kids that will have an amazing Christmas because of you. Which is really cool to think about. Or even as we talk about your host or last week, Glenn talked about the year-end giving thing and, and uh, it is a church wanting to end the year strong and how important that is. And, and already it's been so cool to see people saying, man, I want to be part of that. And, and you know who the, mo- by and large, who that is typically, it's the people who are already giving regularly and faithfully who have a habit and pattern of generosity in their life. Because that's what God calls us to. It's not just to be randomly generous, that's cool, but to be systematically generous. Meaning, he called, and this is going to be crazy to some of you. Some of you are going to think, what? But this is what the Bible says. It's to actually build our budget around generosity and to give the first portion of our budget to God's work. And that's what's called a tithe. And there are a whole lot of people around Chase Oaks, Christy and I are one of them, who give a regular percentage of our income and we give it every, gladly. I mean, it's a favorite thing on our budget and because we know what God's doing and what he's up to and it's those people who are like you know what I need to pray about God what you want me to do in addition to what I'm already I need you to pray and it's just been so cool to see people respond because that's what it means to live as a sent person it's just simply to say God what do you want me to do and do that and to build our life around generosity that's possessions think about placement as well you know, a lot of times we think, okay, God, here am I, send me, wherever it's going to be. I don't know if we're, it's going to be somewhere crazy. God, you know, Ukraine, are you going to send me to Ukraine? Because right now I don't want to go to Ukraine. You know, are you going to send me to Russia? Where are you going to send me, God? And God may send you some crazy place. But here's what the New Testament lets us know. Where you are is where you've already been sent. It doesn't mean that God can't move you somewhere else. or that If God's nudging you, do that, do that. But where you are, the New Testament calls an assignment. Not an accident. First Corinthians 7, read it. Matthew 5, read it. Where God is, another word, Matthew 5 is placement. Where you are in your school, in your work, in your family, in your neighborhood, in this church, is a, not an accident, it's an assignment. It's a placement. God can move you on and you can, that's fine. But for now, that's where God has you and he has you there for a reason. And I think it'd be really cool this week, at, let's say at work, or if you're in school, if your school is still in session, or uh, in your family, or in your neighborhood, this week, every day to wake up and say, God, as I go to work today, here am I, send me. As I go to school today, as I interact with neighbors today, and whatever you do, just to say, God, before I go in to play golf with this group of people, to eat lunch with this person, 
to have this meeting with my coworkers. Here am I, send me. God, what do you want me to do? How can I serve your purposes? How can I lift people up, encourage, represent you well? Do what, serve this person. God, here am I. I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. And, and, and I think it'd be really cool to say, God, whisper to me today. In, in every meeting, every interaction, just whisper to me, what would it look like to serve you in that moment? And just see what God does. And maybe that would become a pattern of our life. Same thing with your placement here at this church. Whether you're online or you are you know, here at one of our campuses, to think about God, what, we're not here by accident. And there are things that God wants to do in and through our church that he will not do if you and I don't do our part. Just the way it works. And you may feel like, oh, it doesn't matter you know, to me. Yeah, it matters. Because a fully functioning church is a church where everybody's part of it. Everybody's saying, God, I, I'm here. Use me. God, whatever you want to do through my gifts, abilities, and experience. God, I just want to be part of serving your purposes. And that can be hard to know in a church like this. Well, seems like it's going fine without me. How do I, I don't even know how to serve. I don't, I don't even know where to start. So here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Now, this is bold, okay? This is going to take some guts to do this. But I'm going to ask you to take 30 days through the holidays and into the new year and just pray. A prayer of availability as it relates to you being in this church. And just say, God, here am I, send me. How do you want me to serve and, and, and help push the ball forward in this? And God, just give me wisdom. Help me as I think about who I am and my gifts and experiences and what's there. And speak to me. And here's the bold part. Um, go ahead and put the QR code up there. You may have already done it. But you can use your phone, do the QR thing. Um, and, and here's what will happen if you do that. Just keep it on for a while. Um, this is why it takes some guts. Because it will send you to a form where we'll put your name and your campus and your, the way you want to be contacted. That ups the ante. Uh-oh. But what will happen is somebody will contact you. A pastor from your campus, a leader from your campus will contact you. And all it will be is just a conversation to say, you know what? Here's what the needs are. Here's what the opportunities are. What is God saying to you? Let's just have a conversation about what that could look like. And if you have questions about the church, it's just an opportunity to get those answered. Because sometimes you're like, I don't know. There's some weird things I need to. Well, that's fine. You can have that conversation too. And uh, so anyway, I hope, hope you'll do that and, and sort of out yourself a little bit. And be like, ah. But it's one of those things that you do that will change the whole trajectory of your life. See, that's really what we're talking about with a prayer like, here am I, send me. It's a bold prayer. And when you and I decide to say that in a first time, certainly, and begin a relationship with God and say, God, here am I, send me. Well, that's bold. And, and, and for some of you today, we're going to pray in a minute. For some of you today, that prayer will be a time that you'll look back on today, right now, this moment, and remember, oh yeah, I remember that, December 2022. When I either began a relationship with God and said, here I am, send me. Or maybe I already felt like I had a relationship with God, but I opened up myself to him fully. Or even if you've done that a long time ago, an opportunity in a fresh way to say, God, help me just take an availability step. I want to take one more step of availability wherever, even if you're, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Just God, I just want to be fully, even more fully available to you. And imagine if we do that, what will happen? 
Um, imagine if however many thousands of people are part of Chase Oaks do that, what God could do. I mean, even just going through the holidays that way. They're just saying, you know, as we've talked about inviting somebody to sit with you at our Christmas. It, the reason we do that is because we want people to know God who don't know him. And it's just one step in that process to just, you know, we do that service not just for those who know Jesus, but for those who don't yet. And Christmas is one of those times where people are open who don't go to church to go to church. And so just, I hope you're praying about that and say, who are you going to invite to sit with you? Or the New Year's Day thing and the pancake deal. Um, that's not because we think pancakes are awesome, even though they are. And bacon's awesome, even though it really is. Right? They're, the whole point of that is just to build relationships. Because when we build relationships with people in our neighborhood who don't know Jesus, it gives that, that's the, the, the ground in which God can use, the environment that God can use to do all kinds of things to pull people toward himself. And it's caps, And so, man, you, you can do New Year's as a normal person or you can do New Year's as a sent person. And a sent person would say, okay, let's do it. Let's try it. And you and I can choose what kind of life we want, a normal life or a sent life. So I'm going to invite us to bow our heads together. And if you're up for it, we're going to pray this dangerous prayer. And what you can pray in your heart to God and imagine, you know, just like Isaiah saw God, the Father, on his throne with all the angels all around. Just picture that scene. And because of Jesus, you and I can come right into the presence of God. So I just want you to picture that. And looking at him and saying, here am I. Send me. Now, for some of you, that may be beginning a relationship with God. Jesus came to make that possible. He died on the cross for your sins and mine so that our sins could be forgiven. And not only forgiven, but that he could then begin to change us and transform us and use us for his, for his purposes. And, and you just begin a relationship with God by saying, God, yes, you offer all that as a gift. I can't pay for it. I'm not worthy. I have nothing to offer, but you want to give me everything because of Jesus and what he did for me. And I say yes. And I hear him, I send me. And for others of you, you've already done that. It's an opportunity just in a fresh way to say, God, I want to make myself increasingly available. Here am I, send me. And Father, I... It's just crazy for me to think about the potential of what you will do through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in our area who say in a new way, here am I, send me. And I thank you that you don't push us out of the way to do your work. You want to use messed up people like us to do your mission. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.